Hi and welcome to the Conscious Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Renger. On this podcast, I interview leaders who are more progressive or radical in their methods. They really stand out from the crowd as leading consciously. On this episode, you'll meet Pip Jameson, founder and CEO of The Dots, a professional network for creatives, dubbed the next LinkedIn by Forbes. I got to interview her on her impressive houseboat in London. It was before London dropped into tier two with the coronavirus pandemic, and I was really fortunate to be there. I started by asking her how she got to where she is now. I am a tech founder, but I am a non-tech tech founder. So I, um, I don't study computer science at university. I just saw a real world problem while I was working um, in in MTV. So um, my career kind of started, I actually started as uh, an economist and a mathematician, um, which I studied at university. Uh, Then I had kind of aspirations to change the world. And I thought the best way to do that was to go and work for the government. So I started my career as a fast stream economist for the British government. I, it was really interesting time and I loved it on a lot of levels, but government's just way too slow for me. So I jumped ship and then started working in the creative industry. So I was working primarily for MTV in different roles around the world. And it was while I was working there that I kind of realized that there was this new way of working that was emerging that was very distinct from, I guess, the traditional white collar way of work. Um, And the friends I was surrounded with were, their careers were much more fluid than that traditional, like, full-time, stay eight years in a job, work your way up a career ladder. Um, Lots of my friends were starting their own businesses, they were doing their own side hustles, they had their own podcast. um, And even if they were in full-time work, they were moving jobs or moving from project to project more frequently. And so LinkedIn, that kind of CV, traditional way of work, just wasn't really working for them. Um, So I think the big difference between the dots and LinkedIn, and we're a professional network just like they're a professional network, is the way people promote themselves as they post projects. Um, and then they credit the full team around that project. So a project could be an app, and this is the developer, this is the designer, this is the um, and this is the data analyst, or it could be a podcast, and this is the host and the producer. And so we're a bit like a living wiki of projects and the teams behind it. But I guess more importantly, what I noticed was that my community and the people that I was around just wanted different things out of their careers, deeper things out of their careers. Um, you know, we were, my parents' generation would like just pay, get paid as much as possible and live for your weekends. And, mm. you know, everyone I was surrounded was were looking for more purpose in the work that they were doing. They actually wanted to learn on a job. They actually wanted to enjoy the people they were working with. They, they actually wanted to enjoy their nine to five. So I think on a deeper level, where the dots comes in is really helping people find that kind of career that works for them. Um, and yeah, I guess the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> I'm that crazy woman who, when I'm going to go up against LinkedIn and I kind of made it happen <laughs> yeah amazing so so how actually did the dots get so what what in terms of the dots getting going as a business presumably it was an idea first how was it from idea to kind of 
conception there? Yeah, I think I, I think it was this wonderful naivety. You know, I ha- hadn't worked in tech. I didn't have a computer science degree. So it was just I kind of envisioned a new way of a new professional networking site. And so mm. that naive sort of just made the leap and said, right, I'm just going to make it happen. Um, obviously, it's incredibly <laughs> difficult in practice. So, you know, I have an incredible tech team, but that took me a long time to build up. Mm. Um, I had to learn everything from scratch. You know, I had to learn how to raise investment. Our last round was four million. I had to learn how to be a leader. I mean, I, I was I was young. I didn't have any clue what I was doing. Um, so yeah, it's been sort of like this amazing learning curve. But I love it. I mean, it's a roller coaster. Um, don't get me wrong. There's when you're starting and then scaling a business, it's massive highs and massive lows. But yeah, I just, I've kind of loved the journey, but it was a bit like, you know, let's just jump off a cliff and see what happens. <laughs> that was it. Mm. And, and you, I mean, you say just jump off a cliff. Did you have um, um, any of your own like investment at the beginning or were you kind of starting from scratch really to... Starting to, from yeah. scratch. So, um, I, I, I mean, I started the business on savings. So, mm. um, and actually this is my second business. So I started my first technology business in Australia and that was on savings. Um, and then the dots here in the UK, I exited my previous business in Australia mm. and seed funded and the business over here. Business? So it was a business called The Loop, which was a bit like a baby sister version of the dots, which I built in Australia and mm. scaled to being the biggest network over there for our industry. So yeah, it was kind of like this crazy journey of starting a business, making all the mistakes in Australia, selling that business, and then putting all the money back into starting up again over mm. here, which has been magic. Amazing. Yeah, so you've been able to, to take it from sort of limited funds to really being able to raise proper funds for... And how many staff are you now? So we're 18 now, mm. which is this lovely, lovely size, to be honest. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of still family size. Mm. Um, quite intimate. Yeah, most of my team have been with me right from the beginning. So, you know, it's great to... Well, it's just lovely that we've just got this kind of family feel that we've mm. had. And you talked about learning leadership and how you've developed there. Um, so what, what does leadership kind of mean to you? What does it mean to... I think, again, because I was kind of a bit naive going into leadership, I sort of took all the learnings I'd had from all the really bad leaders I'd had over the years and went, I'm not doing that. I think, really, um, it's compassion is, you know, I definitely lead with my heart. You know, I care deeply and I love my team deeply. Um, You know, I really... Um, believe that happy staff are productive staff and I've proven it like it's you know we retain like nobody in in tech industry Um, and yeah I think it's it's just compassion and heart and weirdly it's sort of semi-genetically in me because I'm I'm dyslexic Um, and fun fact for anyone who's listening um, right now is 35% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic and 40% of self-made millionaires Um, but one of the wonderful traits of dyslexia is um, we tend to be more empathetic um, and they're not really sure why. They think maybe because we really struggled when we are young, we tend to empathize with other people. So yeah, I think it's caring and empathy and just genuinely loving the people that I work with and mm. trying to make them happy, both personally and professionally. Mm. So that kind of genuine love for the people that work for you, that sounds quite deep rooted when you hear you say that. You're like, yeah, this is real and like I love them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and and how, how does that how does that kind of play out for you how do you well I mean actually first question is more like um has that always been the case like did you always find that kind of warmth particularly maybe in stressful times when you're trying to like get 
get shit done and there's a lot around you how easy is that and how much has that been able to develop in your kind of journey as a leader yeah I think it's always it's been there from me from the beginning um but uh yeah I think in terms of how it's developed for me is uh, yeah the empathy and love for the team has always been there um but I think it's more putting in like actually how does that evolve in a process driven environment like how do you scale that how do you make sure that you onboard the right people that kind of encapsulate the values of the business and what can you do actually internally so I'll give you an example on we do something called Friday thank yous um, so this is actually something I heard Marissa Tem- who used to run Yahoo talk about in a talk she did um, where everyone on the team we do a stand up and everyone on the team thanks someone else on the team for something they did that week. Mm. Um, and it's everyone's, it's, it sounds a bit hippie, but everyone loves it. Even That's my great. like, <laughs> you know, my hardcore engineers who you would think would not love it. They all, mm. it's their favorite part. And what I love about it is it totally reinforces the values that we have and the kindness that kind of is throughout the whole business. But it also means as a leader, I can't be across everything. I don't know what all the wonderful work that everyone's mm. doing every day. So it's a great way for everyone to get thanks for the work they're doing without me having to be across everything. Um, and it, yeah, it's like that magical bit. And it, it, the thank you could be just someone, you know, recently obviously we're in lockdown and someone had to, to, to go into um, isolation again and another team member popped around with a basket of things for them um, and that was a thank you for that. Or it's something like we've just signed a new client and it's thanking someone who did that mm. or we just launched a new feature and it's doing really well and it's thanking someone for that. So it's kind of a mixture of business and personal and there's never, it doesn't matter which one it is. Mm. Um, I think the one problem we have is every on cheats so we can it's so hard to just thank one person so we're constantly going and actually so yeah. sometimes one more thing. It, one more thing sometimes it turns into a bit like the oscars yeah. but it is it just sounds like a total lovely. loving it, like, it's, yeah. it's complete and it's such a lovely way to end the week because yeah. everyone ends the week on a high and and yeah you get on with your weekend with a mm. kind of big smile on your face it's magic that is amazing and you and you said about recruiting kind of for this type of mm. person as well and i wonder um yeah how you go about that so that you're you're getting a kind of a reasonable fit i guess for your business because it sounds like quite a heart-based business in that sense um so yeah how does that how does that play out? Yeah, I mean, we recruit for values before anything else. So we, we check for values fit. And so we have kind of six core values across the business. And our first interviews with any candidate screen for those values. So one of our values, for example, is positivity. And I don't mean positivity for positivity's sake. It's more hiring people that are focused on solutions, not problems. And basically building a culture that's not political or blame-based. It's where you, if there's something going wrong, we all get together and we fix it and we work it out. Um, so the way we screen for that on first interviews is actually we'll ask certain questions to gauge positivity. So one of those questions would be like, you know, how would your colleagues describe you or how would your friends describe you? And it's amazing <laughs> some of the answers you get. <laughs> like I've had people go, yeah, my friends think I'm a bit bitchy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, did you? Next. But, yeah, you just, so you do. And all the questions are geared to different parts of the values. And this is a mistake I think I made in the early days where. I we would do some of the skills fit interviews first 
and we do the values fit later and suddenly we'd be wooed by like this amazing candidate and it would get to the values and we'd be like oh they kind of just fall down on this one value i think you know what we can change them it'll be fine it was never fine like they were the ones that churned and those were the ones that left so what we do now is always do values fit before any skills fit um and the values fit i i attend every first interview um to gauge value fit um mm. and then so that's what sort of saying that in a way that you value value the values more and the skills can be built or adapted oh absolutely i mean mm. the, the values i mean one of our values is collaboration you wouldn't be able to survive in our in our business if you weren't a natural collaborator we all work together on problems and solve those problems together so mm. it's definitely more important um than i mean in the end, skills obviously are incredibly important as well. Being in tech, but yeah. we're, mm. first, it has to be values. Mm. And so, I guess you, so you've hired these these people who who fit the values, and they have that kind of base of collaboration, care, compassion mm. for others. Um, so that warmth of of care that you're creating how how do you maintain that? Because it sounds like you're kind of holding each other a bit in a nice mm. way. So, um, how are you? Um, yeah, how is that kind of sustainable, I guess, on a day-to-day basis to support each other? And I think it's just ingrained now. Mm. I mean, it's sort of in all of our kind of rituals. It's in all of, you know, we have, for example, we use Slack for kind of team collaboration. We have a good news channel in Slack mm. where everyone kind of shares good news. And that good news can be personal stuff or it could be stuff that, like a lovely message from a community member or it can be we've just signed a client. So I think everything we've ingrained in the business is this kind of positivity, kindness, and it's sort of infectious, you know. Mm. Um, It's just literally everyone's natural. But I think the Fido thank yous definitely help as well because obviously people get thanked for being kind and nice. And so, yeah, and I think another thing that, and this is actually something we introduced recently, which was due to COVID, is we do a Corona buddy system every week. So the way it works at the beginning of the week, we have stand-ups again on Mondays. Um, and at the beginning of the week, everyone gets assigned a new Corona buddy. Um, and it's just a one-to-one. And it's just really just to check in. It's not about work. The whole point is to check in, have that kind of coffee, lunch, just do it over Zoom, check that person is emotionally okay if they need anything. And what's been lovely again about that is it's just kind of reinforcing that supporting each other. And it's actually made the team closer because Mm. weirdly in an office environment, you tend to meet in groups. And so you don't necessarily have those really deep conversations. And Mm. actually with the one-to-one Corona Buddy catch-ups and you've got a new teammate to catch up with every week, the conversations are quite deep and caring. And so you get to understand challenges people are having, not just due to covid but in their personal lives which are intrinsically linked Mm. anyway and it strikes me that you know that really to to manage that to happen you need to have quite a lot of safety within the team because i can you know thinking back i'm like there's loads of colleagues i would not be divulging large amounts of information even though i'm naturally a very open probably oversharey person um so that that's interesting that i guess is testament if people do feel quite comfortable yeah. with pretty much anyone well um, i overshare all the time yeah. so i guess it says the um, you're like i'm modeling. i mean literally the team yeah. you know yeah. 
I totally overshare. I mean, mm. you know, I will talk if I'm on my period and I'm having a bad day. I'll mm. let the team know. You know, I went through. Um, uh, I froze my embryos recently, so mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm a sole female tech founder. Having children right now would be very challenging. So mm. the team came on the journey with me. So I guess maybe it's set by the fact that I overshare, so everyone else feels mm. really comfortable. Um, I also have zero politics, um, zero zero tolerance for politics. Mm. So even if I sniff it a little, like. Stamp it out. Just stamp it out straight mm. away. Like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Mm. Um, challenging each other, that's completely different in an open environment, but saying stuff behind someone's back, that just doesn't wash with that's me. Cool. And that that's the one time I'll let someone go straight away. Mm. So. Yeah. No, that's good. It sounds like a good hard line. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just mm. I just saw your face go life, really serious. Life is too short to work in a yeah. political environment. And, you know, I learned that working in other working environments before the dots. So it's just it's completely unconstructive. Mm. You know? It's and I wondered whether, like, um, I guess it sounds like you've been through quite a lot, a lot of leaders, a lot of um, of of places where maybe they haven't handled things as well. Um, are there any kind of stories that come to mind about your own kind of personal journey, about what you've noticed doesn't work and what you therefore kind of really kind of stick to about the way you're treated as a and uh, you know the way you treat others as a colleague as well as a leader yeah I mean MTV was such an amazing learning experience um because they used to take chances on you very young so you know they made me head marketing when I was like 24 years old such an incredible opportunity the flip side to that is you have a very young senior team who are just trying to work their way through and MTV became very political Mm. and a very blame game based and that was definitely a learning I took to this business that was just not effective learning and actually in a in I worked for the Brit Awards before MTV here in the UK and the leader there was the absolute opposite she was this amazing woman called Maggie and I, I remember learning this brilliant lesson where they had the Brit Awards starting like two days time they were building the the arena and they didn't have enough seating though so they basically lost like all these rows of seating when they tried to fit it in mm-hmm. I mean which is a massive disaster you know mm. suddenly probably about you know 400 people who pay for tickets aren't going to be able to come and what I thought was amazing about Maggie instead of like shouting blaming anything she just got the key decision makers and the key people in the room and they've sorted it and they fixed it and it was just that wonderful learning from me that you know, just shouting as a bros and blaming people won't, mm. won't actually fix the problem. I mean, she went, she went ape shit later, but <laughs> yeah. she fixed it first. Um, yeah. And I think that's that was probably one of the most valuable lessons I had. Like, we have to, you're not going to fix issues if it's a blame game. Mm. To someone who kind of stands up, takes responsibility yeah. and, and collaborates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. that's the key to problem solving, basically, mm. is collaboration. And what kind of I got from you before was that um, I noticed how you really listen to the team so you're taking quite a lot of feedback uh, regularly is that something that still goes on yeah Um, how do you find out where they are at and yeah so we do um i do a quarterly happiness survey so again might sound a bit heavy (laughs) very very happy stuff our productive stuff um so the way it works is it's a completely anonymous survey it goes out to the team every quarter and Mm. it asks them how happy are they one to ten coming to the dots each day and then it asks three questions which are kind of similar-ish one would be like how could we improve the product to make you happier how can we improve the office which is obviously not relevant quite yet (laughs) (laughs) the virtual office yeah um to make you happy and what would you do as ceo and I think mm, the nice most, the, what would you do as CEO is like my, yeah, that's the one where I get the real 
nuggets I, I i will say it's pretty confronting um exercise to go through um because it is anonymous and people are really really honest um but it's a really good exercise for me to go through and actually the reason i started doing it was based on um previous to the dots i had a 360 review done of myself um and it was around my last business where one of my shareholders interviewed all my team all my contractors um a number of my clients and basically put together a document of what i was good at what i was not so good at and learnings from my last business for this business and one of the questions in that is you know what would you do as ceo ceo and i just find it so incredibly useful to get that feedback but it can be grueling at times mm. have you got any good examples <laughs> yeah i mean oh, yeah i've i totally pride myself on being an inclusive leader mm. for example and it has brought up challenges in terms of inclusivity in the business so one example is we have flexible working for mums but i didn't put it for dads my insane bias i just thought mums needed it dads didn't so i got majorly called up for that like that's completely unfair by fathers in the team i also have a number of team members who are neurodiverse and i didn't realize how much they were struggling in an open plan office environment um so it's it's moments like that when you know that your values are being challenged because actually one of our core values is diversity and suddenly you're like oh my gosh i pride myself on building a really inclusive environment and actually it's very intersectional and people have different challenges about different things so it's good though it's, mm. you find it's quite, it feels like kind problems. of a brave question but one that means you'll dig out some of the big the big issues right? yeah and, and you it. stop again it stumps politics because mm. otherwise people moan about it mm. to a colleague i'd ra- i'd much rather know what the problems are it, i can then solve those problems yeah um, also you get lovely things like you know the one i think they all colluded once and one of the feedback was what would you do ceo and it was get a dog <laughs> Like, okay. And I was like, okay, and I did actually yeah, yeah. get a We dog. have a lovely dog in the corner, sleeping soundly. Um, so, yeah, you know, but it's it's lovely sometimes that they're, you know, I'll get messages like, maybe take a holiday, Pip. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, getting the message, yeah. And do you still, um, I remember before you still got people to kind of rank their mental health and like how they're getting on and mm. is that still part of? That's the happiness. Oh, that's the that's happiness, the happiness yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So it's how happy are you coming to work. Mm. Um, and what I like about using happiness as, as opposed to you know something like mental health it's actually happiness to everyone is different things and so a happiness absolutely encapsulates your mental health for some people it can be pay some people it could be mental health some people it's they're just not learning enough anymore and so what i love about happiness is it's it's kind of a catch-all that's quite a personal experience so basically based on that score then anyone that's um seven or below in in the company i asked to have a one-to-one with them and then we'll work through why they're not happy or why they're under seven um they don't have to tell me because it's an anonymous survey they don't have to tell me which one they were so i wouldn't know if it was the person that was five or the person who was Mm. seven but we talk through it and then we put a plan together. And so it's 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 so different for everyone. Mm. So, you know, it can be mental health and then we can talk about ways to manage that. Um, but yeah, it can be just, I'm just getting a bit bored in my job. I've sort of mm. like hit that point where I'm just doing the same stuff and then we can yeah, work out how to stretch. develop and go to the next bit. So yeah, that's why I like happiness over specifically mental health because happiness yeah is part and mental health is part of that part of thing, yeah. yeah and and i wondered how is that for you to carry because that yeah. potentially could be quite a lot if you're like come to me with all your stuff like you know um how how is that for you to kind of 
to to be taking on that type of thing do you do you have to be aware of that in yourself and how much you take on of others or do you feel like you have quite a lot of capacity for I feel I have a lot of capacity for it I think I'd rather know and help than I I think it's just more problematic down the line if you don't know as a leader because you know in the end whatever they're going through will either manifest with them leaving your business because that or it will manifest into more serious mental health problems or so I would rather like know earlier on and nip that in the bud and help Mm. than it turning into something massive um so yeah it it's it is quite emotional but I also know that rationally it's just saving me a lot more emotional stress later down the line Mm. anyway so yeah I think it's it's fine um yeah I don't mind I don't mind it at all (laughs) yeah and I get I get an impression that you're kind of here to like you know you're kind of there sort of kind of arms open really like you know tell me how you're getting on yeah it's Mm. crazy to think people's personal lives don't impact their I mean what I love about what's happening right now is suddenly every employer in the world's going of course we've got to consider people's personal and professional life but they should have done it earlier to be honest but I think it's crazy to think that you know something that's going on in their personal life isn't going to affect how they work or their productivity you know you have to you have to deal with it holistically these Um, things are all one and the same they're all completely one Mm. and the same you know it's interesting the kind of research around um kind of psychological safety and kind of productive teams from google Mm. and besides the kind of what are they called equality of conversational turn-taking so basically allowing people to speak in equal Mm. amounts and allowing that safety in the team but one of the other key things about um team success was around emotional awareness and tuning into others Mm. um which is which is interesting and very far from like a traditional team so i wonder how much um if the team are thanking each other buddying up every week um you're talking them potentially one-to-one if they're struggling there's quite a lot of emotional awareness of each other going on which isn't always that common um that seems to me quite an you know, a positive extreme from your company. That's kind of a sense I get. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely ingrained in every team member. Um, mm. I think also just every kind of project we do, we do collaboratively. So, for example, if we're coming up with new ideas for the platform, we'll do a whole company-wide working session. So it's not just like the product or the tech team or the designer coming up with ideas. So, you know, we're always doing stuff as a collective um so yeah it just means that everyone you don't get that cliqueiness um that i definitely experienced in previous jobs definitely in the government where you get departmental cliqueiness because we don't operate as siloed departments everyone works together Um, i mean just before this call we were all doing um we're about to release a new version of our app and the whole team is on there testing the app as a collective and so i think everyone's very you know tuned in to not just each is emotional needs but also what everyone does day to day so that they have a respect for if this person needs something they understand why as opposed Mm. to it being a burden it's like oh I need to help them because this is what they do on a day-to-day basis and Mm. so yeah we do most things together oh my gosh I sound like a hippie cult but it's true <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So, so you've kind of given me like you've given me the wonderful story. Yeah. You've got this beautiful picture now, the dots and like all your care and compassion. I'm um have no doubt that's true. So what what's difficult then? What's day to day? What's what's tough? 
Um, I mean, scale-ups are always tough. You know, we're, we're going through a crazy growth period right now, which sounds wonderful. And yes, my shareholders are all brilliantly happy. Um, the challenge with that is, you know, with scale, I mean, just to put it in context, we grew 17% last month. Um, like, with scale comes, you know, uh, definitely teething problems you know so I think you know something I'm trying to tune into a lot with the team at the moment is a lot of their work's become more reactive than proactive which isn't always so fun um and yeah I mean we got hit just like everyone else from a revenue perspective from COVID so while our community growth is going through the roof um part of our revenue is recruitment revenue mm. um so that's been kind of challenging to navigate um the team's been incredible through it uh but it was literally just like you know for four months we saw a massive drop in like you know our revenue and so luckily thank goodness for tech clients (laughs) because that's really buoyant and recruitment's um starting to pick up again which is nice to see but yeah i think you know I've just been, I guess, again, overly open with the team about the challenges that we're facing. Mm. Um, You know, we were set to hire a load of new people just before lockdown, which we had to pause the hires on, which has obviously then put additional burden on the rest of the team, especially Mm -hmm. as the platform's but everyone understands. They know where the business is. They know we can't Mm. hire more talent at the moment. Um, So, yeah, it's just been really open in mm. communication with the challenges and I'm definitely really open <laughs> no, that's good. And, and how does that how are you doing that is that like um, a kind of weekly call or is that how how are people kind of receiving your regular comms oh uh, every morning so we do stand ups every morning so company wide mm. stand ups every morning where mm-hmm. we just at 9.30 it's a bit of a ritual just to kind of kick start the day mm. and make people feel not that they're isolated especially while it was locked down mm. so 9.30 we all log on um, we all go on to Zoom and we just do a morning sometimes it's just just chit chat about what the weather's like sometimes it's like talking about the business but there's that check-in that happens every single morning Mm. um so the people and is that just a short kind of mini yeah it's Mm. um it it can range from five minutes to 10 15 minutes um we do go into our product stand-up after that which is like the product team talking about what their developments from what they did yesterday and the Mm. next day um but all the rest of the team are invited to join that if they want to Mm. so they never feel like they have to head off um Mm. so you know my head of sales or COO will join the product tech stand-up um, That's good, yeah. and it just feels that people just feel more connected that way. So it sounds like there is quite a lot of routine ritual and connection with your stand-ups, your thank yous, your buddying system, your other comms, the one-to-ones that are going on. So, you know, you're a remote team, um, but it seems quite like really people are quite in touch. Yeah, I mean, weirdly with the team, they've never been happier. I mean, they love it and remote. do you find that from the data that you're seeing? On yeah, the I mean, it's incredible. So much happier. I mean, the thing is, is actually the challenge. I mean, funnily enough, we got to the point with the team that actually was, wasn't so much for me to fix from a happiness perspective. Like the things that were coming through were... What was great when I first started doing the happiness service, there was real patterns that I could solve. Like one quarter, it was all about the desks and the chairs. Easy to solve. You can get new desks, new chairs. Um, But what started happening is increasingly it became just more individualistic, which is harder for me to solve because if I solve one little thing, it's only helping one person. So what's been interesting with one of the trends that was there that I didn't know how to solve is, is... 
um, particularly my engineers didn't enjoy co- um, co-working spaces it was too distracting um, and so they've never been happier like it's mm. just wonderful and actually we're working really effectively so the big change that we've had is we're going to be fully remote mm. forever now I was going to ask um, you how would you yeah. transition back is there any no I think we'll never transition fully back Um, what we're going to be doing is getting like a membership to kind of a Soho Works type um, basis where people can go in and if they want to use the internet especially important for the junior members of the team who might not have might be sharing with lots of people might be a house share with a kitchen table or something just Mm. I I, Mm. I'm really conscious that you know I'm very lucky I live on a boat it's well set up for me to Mm. work um, but that's not what everyone has so yeah it's we're going to have a membership to a co-working space so people can go in if they want to but they don't have to and actually the wonderful thing that's happened off the back of it is one of my team member is now moving to France so um, it's given him the luxury him and his partner have decided to move to a little village in France and they'll be working over there and another one of my team members is moving to Australia Wow! so now that we have this fully remote working environment it's Mm. wonderful and a lot of my team aren't British so it gives them the opportunity to go home and work with their family and just yeah it's lovely that Jay can be in Portugal Raquel can be in Spain and spend a full month with their family Mm. and we don't miss a beat from work wise Mm. which is really yeah and it is interesting that you kind of tune in to kind of what is how happy people are what is working and what they want because it feels like a lot of this kind of people talking about transitioning to a hybrid workplace something they'll it might be like let's do three days in the office and it's like three days why you know Mm. what what is the why behind that it might be that that is a good idea but it 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 can seem like a bit of a a kind of reactionary thing like oh we only knew five days a week so let's do a bit less because that's and i wonder how much people would benefit from kind of getting the same amount of data you do about knowing what makes people happy and productive yeah and i think i mean it does boil down to trust i mean i am very lucky the team's small enough i know everyone it's 18 um you know it does i trust them implicitly you know I, there's definitely no shirking none of that um you know I, I was always really fascinated by marissa at yahoo she had a massive backlash because they used to be fully remote at yahoo and they brought everyone back i remember yeah and it was a huge huge kind of twitter storm about it but actually i saw her speak about it and she articulated it very well she said the challenge is is that we just didn't some people were shirking we didn't know who was and who wasn't um, and so they they basically noticed that some people weren't, for example, if they were engineers submitting any code, like they literally just weren't doing anything all day. And so she said she had to bring it back. So, I, you know, it's very easy for me as a founder who has a team of 18 to say we should all be fully remote because it's totally effective. I know that's the case, but I can imagine for a corporation it's a lot more challenging because there has to be that deep trust mm. and how you have to have built that deep trust right at the beginning. So... Yeah, it's it's going to be a it's challenging. But one thing I do know for sure, it's much harder to have a, like half the team in the office and half remote. I we we've done that before, um, and the people that are remote always feel slightly isolated because there is that banter that happens in a room. So mm. what I love about being fully remote, and we could be in the same office, but if we have meetings, we have to sit in different places and actually be mm-hmm. on a screen. That's a lot easier to mm. manage than having a room, unless you've got 
shitloads of cash and can have those amazing videos Video. that come up to your face and <laughs> zoom in and out. One day we'll all have. Uh, we'll have all that, but yeah. Yeah, one no. day we'll all have headsets and yeah. be like. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. Have you read um, a book called A Year Without Pants? No. This is a very good book. It's by um, a guy called Scott Burke, and he came from Microsoft to WordPress, oh, now called Automatic, yeah. so they look after WordPress, and they um, they're fully. This was written in 2013, mm. but still very current now. And it's about their... Um, they have a distributed work model, always have. And then they come together for just face-to-face kind of shindigs, mm. which are pretty informal and mainly about mm. connection personally. And then they get work done and they do hacking and stuff in kind of stints. But it is interesting the way how much informality and play can be lead to so much productivity in their company. So it's... Um, Hmm. Yeah, I love that because we're literally just starting. Oh, the, the thing is, right now, we just don't know what we can do with COVID. But, um, hmm. you know, because we've got a number of the team like moving offshore now, it's like we want to do like a quarterly just quarterly week where we're all together I mean it was so funny we were really worried at the beginning about brainstorming because a lot of what we used to do was in meeting rooms loads of post-its everything like that and actually that's been super easy online we use mirror boards it's fine but it is that social bit that I really miss the connection Um, so we'll definitely do kind of like quarterly catch-ups. I mean, pre-COVID, we had monthly, what we called monthly knees up, and that was team kind of sessions, and we love a good, like, escape room. <laughs> um, so we'd sort of, they were always, uh, they were always immersive experiences. Um, that hasn't worked as well remote. We did do an immersive um, Airbnb cooking class, but it, was, it wasn't quite right, because you want to be there. So I think that social aspect is probably... The the only thing that hasn't worked as well remotely everything else everything that I thought has. would be a problem mm. has, has been fine and kind of like looking looking back into your past um I hear a lot about the care and compassion and the quite deep listening you're doing in the team and holding their stuff with with the capacity that you have has there been anyone that you kind of look up to now or from your past that has really inspired that kind of way of of being or has it come from what you have not liked like where is that kind of yeah if I go back it's definitely my dad so um so I I mean I was was really uniquely for the time so you know I grew up in the 80s my dad was this incredible character who never really brought me up as a boy or a girl he just brought me up as me which is very unique for the time and allowed Mm. me I guess to become exactly the person I was meant to be um but what was amazing about my dad is um, he he ran record labels um, and right from an early age he used to take me to the office from like seven, eight. Some of my favourite memories are like literally hanging out and doing photocopying and faxing <laughs> back in the days of photocopying and faxing. What an exciting child. Um, <laughs> and what my dad was really good at was building fun in the business um Mm. so he loved like a proper crazy away day with the team he was just legendary for kind of fun based um activities and so i definitely learned that you know um from him uh and and compassion he desperately feels a lot like he's quite an emotional man which I love um so yeah I I I, he definitely taught me like happy team a productive team I think how it's sort of manifested slightly differently for me is I think my dad was more about kind of crazy fun happy happiness and I'm sort of a bit more about holistic happiness Mm. in in a way but he was definitely my guiding light Mm. (laughs) that's amazing and and that holistic happiness how how do you do that for yourself like how does pip take care of herself in this 
Well, I, I'm, well I, I, I'm so <laughs> blessed. Well, firstly, I've just found a career I love. And I think that's part of the reasons I started The Dots. I wanted everyone to feel like I feel. I mean, there's this brilliant Japanese philosophy and I always mispronounce it because I'm dyslexic. It's like itiagi, ikiagi. Um, that basically says that career happiness comes from combining what you're good at, what you get paid for, um, uh, what you love doing, but more importantly, what the world needs. Mm. Um, and a lot of the vision behind the dots has been about building a really inclusive positive social media site so for example our algorithm is actually based on positivity and kindness so that kind of business or the, the way i manage the team translate all the way to the tech we've built hmm. um so and, what do you mean by that how does that um, so, so that's yeah an interesting <laughs> <laughs> so so what i hate about existing social networks is they are driven their advertising models so they make money through advertising to make money through advertising you need people addicted to your product mm. to get people addicted to the product they learned very early that negative nasty divisive comments or tweets or having people like trump on twitter is great for getting people engaged so it's a vicious spiral and it's a lot of what the world what's wrong with the world right now is you're just building these horrible horrible places um so I wanted to build the absolute antithesis to that. So the way the platform works is you come higher in search results on the dots, the kinder you are on the dots. Mm. And so kindness manifests by um, if you help. So we have a forum where people ask questions um, and they can be anything from, I'm a freelancer, am I um, am I eligible for government assistant? Or I'm, I'm really struggling with my mental health during lockdown. And you know, sadly we're having lots of people made, re made redundant at the moment, like how do I get through this? And so the way the algorithm works works is if you answer questions but those questions are liked by the community then you come higher in search results so it it basically breeds positivity and the same if you ask a question that the rest of the community find useful by liking that question again you come higher in search mm. results so you're promoting altruistic behavior we're promoting mm, altruistic i like it behavior. <laughs> Um, Amazing. Getting back to Pip and her looking after. Oh, I mean, sorry. <laughs> well, you're like, I, I guess it's work. Firstly, yeah. I found a yeah. job I love. So mm -hmm. I, I really, I would rather do this than Netflix and chill any day of the week. I have been prone to burnout in the past. The problem with finding something you love, it's very hard to put it down. And I have mild ADHD as well. So problem is, I was like, hyper-focused so you know I could start work at six and not be finished until midnight and I wouldn't even got up from the chair. Um so that is a problem um so i i do work six days because i love working on saturdays but i live on a houseboat which we're chatting on right now which is, is wonderful the mm -hmm. most magical way to live um you know i've got the water connected to nature i mean i'm straight i'm right in the middle of london so we're in king's cross but i just love it um it's just a lovely way to live um going for walks every morning um and then sunday is my complete off day um so i literally turn my phone onto airplane so if the team or if there's something going wrong at work they know they have to call my husband not me um and i'm completely off for the whole day and i have a completely mindful in the zone day um and most recently uh, in the beginning of the year me and my husband <laughs> wanted we basically I was really bothered by my carbon footprint last year so I had a couple of international flights and it just oh, I did the calcs and I was like this is horrific so our new year's resolution was to become environmentally um, basically carbon neutral this year and we were looking into all these offset seams and we couldn't we literally couldn't they were like my, my husband's an environmental consultant so they're like black boxes you have no idea where your money's going so we ended up buying a wood 
Um, so we bought a little patch of woodland on the Sussex-Kent border. And so on Sundays, I plant trees. Actually, last weekend, I planted a thousand wild garlic bulbs. Wow, um, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, and that's my mindfulness. And that's my... Mm. But I think someone once said to me, everyone's different, obviously. So what works for me... I, I'm I'm a kind of extroverted introvert, so I don't get energy from people. So I need the Sundays. I kind of just need to be with my husband, no one else. Um, but other people get energy from people. So you, actually, going out and getting twatted on a Sunday is probably better for them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think you just have to tune into yourself, mm. really, is the most important thing. Sorry, that was a very long-winded No, answer. it sounds beautiful, really, with the wood and the... I mean, the houseboat is just quite... Like, we've just got this slight rocking motion at the moment, which is really, <laughs> it's quite soporific. So, um, yeah, I no, very much enjoyed that. Yeah, And any kind of... Any advice for fellow founders scaling up? Um, any kind of words that you kind of would want to offer that you know, it's potentially quite, well, I'm sure it is mainly quite stressful. So what, what sort of, when you meet people in that, do, what do you share with them about people are a few steps behind you in this? Yeah, I mean, definitely hire positive people. Um, the worst thing as a founder is, is, is people that come to you like, oh my gosh, my computer's broken. What do I do? You're like, we don't have an IT department. Like Google it, go to Apple and sort it out. <laughs> you know, it's, that is the worst thing. And it, this journey is so stressful and it's so wonderful but so stressful so you need cheerleaders and those cheerleaders need to be within your business um, but also you need support at home I mean mm. I've seen so many businesses fail over the years not because they didn't have a brilliant idea or they didn't have a brilliant team but they didn't have the right support at home mm. so they either had friends who were incredibly negative and not supporting them and not like cheerleading them or they had partners who were moaning that they were working a lot I think it's really important to surround yourself with incredibly bright people who you can learn from, but also positive people that can go, when you're having a down day, you need someone to go, you got this, you can do this. Mm. And that one person saying that can bring you back from the brink. And uh, yeah, I've, I, I'm very blessed that I've kind of curated the people around me now. And sadly, I've had to let go some friends because they were just draining me too much um but actually most of my friends have been amazing they've kind of they're just proud they may only see me twice a year but they're proud that like, they mm. know i'm trying to do something brilliant so they kind of let me get on so i would definitely it's definitely about if you do this journey it's wonderful but just make sure you have the emotional support at home a big big thank you to pip i really hope you enjoyed hearing from her for me she really stands out as being a very very compassionate leader but not in a wishy-washy way, more in a way that's truly practical and tangible for her and her company. Well, I'm Ruth Ringer, founder of Mindful Pathway. We're a leadership development consultancy, helping leaders create the space they need to succeed through coaching and training. You can find out more about us at mindfulpathway.co.uk.